telling stories of why they should trust you. Your compensation is trust. That's what winning the compensation is and the 90-day winning the interview. And that's what you're doing because they're interviewing you to say, is this somebody that's going to run a sales cycle that's going to help me get the club? Is this somebody that's going to help me do the best work of my career? They're your customers. That's first. You bring, after you build trust, the company's best people to your customer. And now you're truly team selling because you've already built the internal trust to know that you're going to find the best solution for the customer. And they need to know that you're the kind of person that's not going to pull them in and dump 80% of the workload on them. Because that's what everybody's fearful of. That's why no one wants to get engaged early. Because if you haven't clearly done all of the seven stages of prep, the 15 calls, all the stuff that everybody that slows everybody down, sometimes they need to know that they can just trust you. That takes time and effort. And it's essentially your currency for those for the after 90 days, because that's what's going to get people to show up. And then you prove it to them through validation of, hey, this person's the rubber hits the road. They're actually doing the things that they said they're going to do. And I feel like I'm knowledgeable enough going in that I can add value and not be out of context. That's a great transition, Matt, when I start to think about you need to build trust with your team. And then to set the tone in the first 90 days, odds are you're going to be in that next quarter. And when you're trying to win the interview past the first 90 days, you need to show up really buttoned up on your QBR because you might get a pass that you're the new guy and they can't expect you to do a QBR because you don't know the accounts just yet. But what if you built the trust with your team so that when you go into the QBR, and I love either going first or last in the QBR, first I set the tone or the third or the fourth QBR, I'm actually going to learn from everyone's mistakes because that's a dog and pony show, right? I think your your leaders are there to see how you're showing up, how you're talking to contacts, what's the pipeline in the account. And you have to make sure when you go through your QBR, you're leveraging your team. You're going to look like the territory boss when you lead those QBRs. And what we're talking about is that's the next step of building trust. If you're new after 90 days, you haven't closed a deal yet. But you show up in that QBR that you have a plan, that you have a point of view, and that RVP has his or her AVP in that room, you want them to think of you if someone leaves the account. One thing I do in those QBRs is I pay attention to contacts that they're talking to. I understand the opportunities that they have going on. Because people leave companies for a lot of different reasons. Is if somebody on my team leaves, I need to be in the right position to get that bonus patch. That's why when you have your really big years. And if you're talking to your RVP, you know how you win the first 180, 360 days? Maybe you got someone that's been at that company for six years. They, they're leaving and you know they have an account that your skill set can go win and give that RVP the best opportunity to win. You know the context, you know the opportunity. And if you pay attention to what you pay attention to, you put yourself in a very good position to pick up some of that bonus patch to have those really big W-2 years. And I think a lot of AEs check out on the teams. It's not my turn to go. Why am I going to listen? But I listen intentionally because I know that I need to put you the next person up if that account becomes available. And there's there's very few times in your career that you get to make your first impression. You can re- redefine yourself like two years into it, but usually that means you did something wrong for two years. If I'm the new person in that QBR and I'm presenting first, I got to make sure that mine's better than everybody else's around me. Or it's or it's different enough. I've gone clearly above and beyond what's expected of somebody who's been in role for, let's call it 60 days at that point. And you only do that by getting active and aligning with your internal team on a shared vision for where you want to take the organization. 
there's a lot of internal knowledge that you can collect, whether it be account plans, executive mapping exercises that have been done, what's been presented historically, maybe most recently in the last six months, and add your flavor to that vision and pitch a big vision, bigger than what's been done before. What I hate to see are core slides that exist inside the organization that have like these boilerplate terms that really only mean something to the organization. Flip all of that over and make it about the customer in their words and in their measurement of success. You're delivering a story that isn't necessarily about you or the organization. They can argue with, are you positioning our products right? Are you using the right cross-cloud collaboration, you know, nomenclature. But if you're talking about the customer and you know the customer better than everybody else, I mean, I've done QBRs where I only talk about the customer the whole time. It's tough to argue with my knowledge of the customer. So you come across as the de facto expert on the topic. And then what people are doing is they're trying to say, hey, that reminds me of this story I did at this customer. And it's a value-add discussion versus someone looking at it, if I had somebody new do a QBR where they were product focused and people were like, we don't actually do that. And like, you could just feel the credibility crumbs just falling off, right? And it wasn't their intention. They just didn't know. They were focused on the wrong part of, of the story. Man, if you do it right and you do it early, that sticks with you for a good year, especially with a leader who might only see a couple times a year. They're going to have faith in you. You're so right. And I think if you want to even take it more tactical, I like giving people actionable things. If you're going through your first QBR after 90 days and you have a table where you have to list your accounts and you're typing those accounts names in the left column and not putting the logo, like the customer logo, that's already going to make your slide stand out more than your team who's just going to follow the template. I think the other thing is if you're going to introduce your team, don't just put their names on the slide. Put their LinkedIn picture or Slack picture on that first slide, right? I think you can show that you prepared for that RVP and AVP's time by what your slides look like and how you out-present those slides. If you're following along, we talked about what the right thing to do after you get out of boot camp. After you get out of boot camp, it's really important to go meet your team and build trust with your team. And then you go into that first QBR, you're 90 days in. Are you leveraging your team to tell the customer's story? Because once you tell the customer's story from the lens of the team, then you start to leverage everybody's strength in that account team And it becomes much more collaborative. And that happens, I think, after the 90 days as part of your QBR. Don't throw your hands up and say, I'm the new guy or new gal, and this is what I know about the account. You have a chance to exceed expectations in that 90 days. And guess what? That's one Lego block of trust with that RVP and AVP. You've also got the advantage of not being spoiled in the pot with all of the internal stuff that just gets laid on as like knowledge or the way we say things. So when you come in new, let's say you, whatever the organization is, bringing that outside perspective of your existing experience into your perspective and using your own words, there's going to be stuff that you got to say, right? But like, I think that gives you an outside perspective. So that outside in makes you different. If you can manage your QBR as an opportunity to upskill everybody else in the room, which I think, you know, having been somewhere for as long as I have, there's always like two or three things that we're operationally all facing, or like there's an industry challenge that we're all trying to overcome and not being preachy or egotistical and bringing it to the team in a way that is a value add and not about you. Yeah. And you know what? If you think about it, what happens when you get to the 120, 180 QBR? Like I was on a team where we did a QBR every quarter, right? And again, we're harping a lot on the first 90, 120 days because if you don't win internally and we win that in interview internally, you're not going to be successful in a long run. Now, you might be lucky your year one and pop a deal. 
But when you think about how you're going to go on a four-year run, five-year run, 11-year run, <laughs> you don't do that by selling a loan and being a lone wolf. So if you're at 120, 180, you miss a quarter, you have to own it. I think leaders respect the fact that you say, listen, pipeline's oxygen, and we didn't have enough oxygen. And because I didn't have enough pipeline, I didn't close enough this quarter, it impacted the region. But guess what? Here's my 30, 60, 90-day plan on how I'm going to work with field marketing, how I'm going to run a 15-call-a-day morning every day for the next 90 days with follow-ups, and then also understand what external factors look like for my customer and align the best topic expert to solve those external factors. You start to lay out your point of view on how you're not going to miss your number again. Yeah. What I like what I like a lot about that, it's like the concept of falling on the sword. And I'll add on to that on why that's critical. Because I've seen when you bring a complaint or a challenge or an issue into your QBR as to a roadblock as to why you can't do something without any vision for how it's going to be fixed, you just cut yourself off with the legs. Everyone's just going to throw up their hands and be like, okay, why, why did we hire you then? Like we, we're aware that the customer has no budget. We're aware that they won't take executive meetings. Like these aren't new things. You've got to come up with a plan to attack those challenges head on, but your ability to fall on the sword early and address those and know that there's there's an option or a workaround, a shift in mindset that can get over those humps. And sometimes it's, it's bringing it back to the team to say, we've struggled with this. What I want to use some of this time with today is to figure out how you guys have over have overcome that. I have some ideas, but before I share those and kind of lock us in on my thinking instead of yours, like I'd love to hear how you guys have solved for this issue. Make it a, a team learning exercise because there's somebody else in the room that's having that same problem. And the leader is going to be like, well, this is a moment for me to shine. And this is a moment for me to direct the team. And everybody pulls three or four pieces of wisdom from what's about to happen in the room. All right, Matt, why don't you take us out with a little bit of wisdom? You don't lead by hitting people over the head. That's called assault, not leadership.